Welcome, this is According to Callus. This is episode 170, and it's going to be a free-for-all Friday. Yes, why not? Because, well, there's just so many different things going on right now, it just can't keep everything straight. So, let's kick it off with, why bother? And imagine at this point in time, if you work in the healthcare industry, you must be thinking to yourself, why bother? I mean, everybody else got the uh, pat on the back from the Supreme Court when they decided, well, you know what? The federal government doesn't actually have the authority to do the thing that they said that they could do. But because hospital systems take our money, they got to follow our rules. Who could have saw that one coming? Hmm. They do the same thing with every business in all the schools. So if you're running a school district and you take Uncle Sugar's money, you're going to get Uncle Sugar's rules. Which brings us back to why bother? Well, unlike a lot of other um, jobs or careers, you really have to have a calling, in my opinion, to go into the medical field and not just be a doctor be a nurse, physical therapist, speech, you know, there's so many different things. But just think about this. The person that goes to the hospital and cleans the floors and cleans the rooms, could you really have a hospital, a functional hospital without that person? Or consider this, the person in the cafeteria that provides or rather prepares the food to be given to the patients in the hospital. And in many cases, most of the workers, be that the doctors, nurses, physicians, assistants, or therapists of all sorts, or just the guy that runs the engineering department. Could you have a functioning hospital without it? I think not. So, When we disparage people as not being essential, how can we say such a thing? Everybody is essential, first to their own family, and secondarily to the organization they work with. And honestly, if you're not deemed an essential employee for a business that you work for, the real question is, is why do you have a job in the first place? All right. So I think you're getting to where I'm at here is the why bother is there's a calling there. There's a need to do certain things. There's an understanding within certain segments of society that in order for society to continue on and function, we must do these things that carries across in other aspects of society. But that's just the key one, right? Why bother is because it matters. You have to do it. If you don't do it, society ceases to function. Now, are there some folks out there who might actually prefer that? And there are other folks out there that actually see that, point out that, hey, these people prefer that and they're pushing us in that direction. And they're the ones that are called conspiracy theorists. Unfortunately, as we have seen in the last couple of years, is conspiracy theory 
most often turns into conspiracy fact with just the passage of a little more time. Which brings us to the next thing. Why worry? Yes. Why should you worry? Well, you know, in my background, the church has largely based their entire existence on the idea that, well, but things won't get really bad because we'll be raptured out. And while that sounds great, and while that's very uh, comforting to a large segment of the evangelical world, the reality is, is there's really no proof. There's really no perfect assurance that that's what's going to happen. Indeed, I've had many conversations with family members that I choose to look at my life and how I live it as at the very best, it's post-trib rapture, right? If And I understand there's segments of the church that doesn't buy into the rapture. I'm not arguing that. I'm just, the larger point is, if you live your life as though you're not going to get raptured out of here, in other words, you're going to get to miss all the bad stuff. If you live your life like that, or you live your life like, well, maybe the rapture is not going to happen next year, or maybe the tribulation is not going to happen next year. If indeed you spend your time building and encouraging and thinking about the future and the next generation and the generation after that, your worries can be put aside because you're looking towards the future. But if you plan your life worried about what's going to happen tomorrow, or worse yet, you're not worried about what's going to happen tomorrow because, well, if things get really bad, we're just going to be raptured out of here. Yeah, Yes. So again, the discussion I've had is I choose to look at things as it's going to be a post-rapture, you know, or I mean, sorry, a post-trib rapture, right? In other words, I'm going to have to go through all that bad stuff. Now, if there should be a pre-trib rapture, that's fantastic. That's great. And I'll be so happy. But if I were to live my life the other way around, right? Why should I be vested in the world around me? Why should I put the effort in? Because, you know, before things get really bad, we're just going to get to go home to Jesus. We don't have to face adversity. We don't have to do the hard work. We don't have to face facts that... America is not that special. There's nothing about the American church that means that they won't have to face their own trials and tribulations. I mean, it would be so convenient for the, I don't know, Chinese church or the Indian church or any of the churches in the stands or God forbid you're in Saudi Arabia in the church. It'd be so convenient to say, well, you know, uh, you believe in you get raptured out of here, you never have to face any bad things again. No, no, no. History has taught us otherwise. There's a whole book called The Fox's Book of Martyrs. One of these days, I'll actually sit down and read through it. But it details all the people that died for their faith, all the people that went out there and died proclaiming the name of the Lord. And at no part in that did they live by worry because they were secure in their faith that no matter the trial or the tribulation, if I should die, I come through on the other side with the Lord. And if I don't die, 
eventually we'll get past this. Eventually things will get better. And I'm looking towards a generational aspect of my life and my family that I'm willing to suffer now so that my children or my grandchildren might not have to suffer later. But unfortunately, I think the majority of our uh, evangelical brethren don't think they should have to or don't want to or, quite frankly, aren't concerned about what might happen 10, 20, 30 years from now because, well, if things get really bad, we'll just be raptured out of here. It's like a big cop-out. And, you know, the sad thing is, is I always poo-pooed it when the leftists would say that thing. That's why you Christians aren't invested in the world because you think you're just going to leave before things get bad. Well, no, actually, I don't know that I agree with that 100%, but they have a point. They have a point. If you think... That, you know, before things get really bad, we're just going to get snapped up out of here and we won't have to see any of the bad stuff. You're going to be a lot less concerned about the future. Now, the flip side of this is, is those same lefties, progressives, uh, they dream up every nearest catastrophe and blow it up into a world ending event and that we almost sacrifice ourselves for the future always curious to me is you know and again this goes back to why worry there are things to worry about you can worry about the expansion of tyranny you can worry about the usurpation of government powers you can worry about the destruction of well i don't know all the fresh water that's a thing i mean should look into it you can worry about the uh Loss of topsoil. I mean, I know that's a thing too. I mean, I've heard many a podcast mention that. Maybe not many, but I've heard it many times on a podcast, right? The destruction of our earth, of our country, for short-term gain is not an optimal way to live. Clearly, there are some long-term effects that... People are checking out because they're only worried about short-term gain. And again, if it doesn't matter because, you know, you get to leave before things get really bad, you can live in that mindset. And it's not just the evangelical world that thinks that way. Indeed, <clears throat> multiple generations have been only worried about themselves. This is typified by the meme of the baby boomers that never grew up and never gave a rip about their kids or their grandkids because it's all about me. Whether you agree with that or not is largely irrelevant. The fact of the matter is, perhaps if they would have spent a little time being more concerned about their children and their grandchildren, we would be in a little bit different spot. We wouldn't have some of the things going on that we do. But I digress. So, first two, checked off. Why bother? Why worry? You bother because it matters. You worry to the extent that you're planning for the future. And speaking of planning for the future, hey, I don't know if you're aware of this, but we have some um, really interesting primary challenges going on right now. So by the time uh, this is all said and done, the replacement uh, city council member for the city of McKinney will be chosen. I've already spoken in support of, I've already done my part to help my friend and win, lose, or draw, we move on. We go to the next step. But there are two quite important races that are still pending that have a direct impact 
in Collin County. The first one is Congressional District 3. Now, I got to say, from the onset, I firmly believe that every elected official should face the challenger pretty much every term. I also want to say that that includes being somebody challenging you in the primary. I realize that sometimes that means the guy you prefer loses. I realize also sometimes that it comes across as a colossal time of waste, or I'm sorry, waste of time and money. However, the goal is the elected official is supposed to represent the people that send them there. And if they're not doing a good job, they need to be reminded that they can be replaced. Now, when an elected official can raise $3 million in a campaign cycle for a job that pays him $20,000 a year and it's part-time on top of it, that should raise some eyebrows. But if we'll set that aside for just a moment, a congressional district, we would expect a few things out of our congressmen. We would expect that they live in the district they represent. We would expect they spend the majority of their time in the district that they represent. Now, I realize that when Congress is in session, it's extremely difficult for the representative to be in two places at once. But when Congress is not in session, the expectation is said congressperson would be present in the district they represent to meet with their constituents. Saving that, that they would actually have a good office with good people there that represent the congressman in his absence. And I'm not meaning this to critique anyone specifically, though some of it is applicable to my current congressman. Now, I have not endorsed my current congressman nor any of his potential replacements. I think I could make a very good argument for each one of the people primarying him as well as for him staying on as a congressman. I think I could make an equally compelling argument as to why each one of them should be, well, maybe not compelling, but an equally good argument as to why each one of them should be eliminated in favor of somebody else, which is part of the vetting process, which is part of learning about your candidates, which is honestly kind of the bare minimum we should request out of you if you're going to go vote. It's supposed to be a little bit more than a popularity contest. It's supposed to be a little bit more of, oh, I saw that guy sign. Or, hey, that lady looks really pretty. I should vote for her. I mean, we expect a little better, particularly, allegedly, in the Republican Party. So that being said, uh, there's going to be a forum at the uh, Collin College up on 380 here in McKinney for the congressional district candidates. Unfortunately, the, to my knowledge, the current congressman will not be present. However, his three challengers will be. So I'd be interested to see how they handle themselves when they face each other and where their policy or the, um, let's see, not theology, philosophical differences come into play. So 
I would encourage you, if you have the time tomorrow morning, drive on up there and go sit in on it. They've slated three hours. I think they're actually only going to be talking for about an hour to hour and a half. There'll be time to talk with the candidates before and after to kind of pick your favorite. And again, I'm neither endorsing nor not endorsing any of them because I think each one of them brings something that the other doesn't have. And I'm not necessarily 100% on board with throwing out the congressman we have. But I think he should be challenged nonetheless. And it's up to we, the voters, to determine whether or not there's been a road crossed that cannot be uncrossed. Whether there's a line in the sand that's been violated, so to speak. And while we're on that subject, the following Monday, which would be four days from today, at the... um, downtown McKinney location, right? Redemption Point Church. We're going to have an actual debate with the three candidates running to take House District 61. Now, for those of you that don't know, House District 61 was created when Scott Sanford, who formerly was House District 70, decided he didn't wish to stay as our House representative um, elected official. Now, Regardless of what I think about that, that's what happened. And House District 70 was squashed up and pushed down into Plano, and the brand new district was plopped into the McKinney, West McKinney, East Frisco, going north. And we have three individuals running for it. And again, similar situation. I'm fairly certain I can make a pretty good argument for each one of those people and why they should be our next House rep. Likewise... I'm confident that I could make an equally good argument why each of those three individuals should not be our house rep. That being said, it's not up to me. It's up to you. And the fun part about this is is this was an actual race that I was considering getting into. And I chose not to. There's a couple of different reasons. It's okay. It's water under the bridge. But... I get to moderate this debate, which means that I get to be in the thick of it. And I get to see how each one of these individuals deals with a little bit of opposition, a little bit of pushback. And I'll be very curious to see how this plays out. Now, unfortunately, I don't get to ask a bunch of questions on my own. That would be twice as enjoyable, you understand. Um, I am actually going to be following the rules put forth by the organization that's holding it because you know that's the way i am rules are laid out um and as part of that they're going to give me the questions um we're going to take some i think from the audience but it's most all of them are going to be turned in before time we're going to get a chance to quick look through them make sure that they make sense they're not slamming on any one specific individual and that we can get a legitimate discussion going on i'm looking forward to it and even i don't know all the rules just yet i imagine we'll review some of that tomorrow but i think it's gonna be great i think it's gonna be fun and the best part about it is going to be both live streamed and recorded for later review my goal is to get some of these guys on record 
of things they're going to support and things they're going to oppose. Because one of them is going to win. And one of them is going to go down and represent our piece of Collin County in Austin. And when they come back for re-election, we can show them, well, this is what you told us. This is what you did. Either good job, great job, or hey, you kind of let us down. So that's the goal. That's the plan. And I am looking forward to it. And I would encourage you to come and join us. I, I think it would be well worth your while. Um, Redemption Point Church is downtown McKinney. I know it's not technically within the uh, district, but it's close. And even if you live out in East Frisco, you can be there in 30 minutes. It's well worth your time. Please come and see us. It's on social media. You can find it. It's put on by Constitutional Texans. Friends of mine uh, run that club and they asked me to help out. And I am, of course, thankful and glad to do so. Now, while we're on the subject, and it is the free-for-all, we've covered the uh, two looming races, if you will, that, at least in Collin County, are, I wouldn't say uber important, but very important. I mean, we're leaving off the lieutenant uh, governor's race and the governor's race because that's really not going to be determined by Collin County, but we will have a little bit of say in that matter. Then we have the topic of endorsements. <clears throat> Now, in the past, um, I've been, hmm, how do I say this, rather liberal with the way I've put out my endorsements, i.e. if it's somebody that I know and somebody I trust, I would endorse them without waiting for the full field to be developed. Now, I've been burned on one occasion with that. I ran into an awkward situation with another situation like that. But I gave my word and I was still convinced that that person was probably the better candidate. Uh, win, lose, or draw, you support your team, right? That's the whole point of having a primary. But giving an endorsement isn't saying <clears throat> that I agree 100% with what that person's going to do or say. What that is saying is, I know this person, or at least I think I know this person, I trust this person, and I think they're going to do a good job for us. So that's me as an individual. That's how I look at it. I don't know that everybody feels the same way about that. That being the case, I won't presume to know how other people do these things. I just, I'm putting it out there because I want to explain my point of view on this so that if you should hear me give an endorsement, which I have, uh, Vicente Torres would be the last person I gave an endorsement to. It's because I'm confident that they're the best person for the job. I'm confident that I trust them to represent me. And when I say me, I'm not saying me specifically in the sense that they're going to agree with me 100%, but I say they're confident or I'm confident they're going to represent me when I'm looking at McKinney, Collin County, Texas as a whole, that I'm comfortable that they're going to do a good enough job that maybe I wouldn't do a better job, if that makes sense. 
In other words, I, I'm good with them being there in my stead. Now, I have no problem giving out recommendations or saying, well, you know, these are a couple of good candidates you should check out between them and make your own decision. I've had to do that a lot, particularly when you have more than one good candidate. But when you give an endorsement out, that kind of puts you on the line too. You, you, you endorse a person and they start doing crazy stuff. Or you endorse a person and they go and do a 180 degree twist on what they told you or what you believed of them. Now, we've had this happen before, not to me personally, but I know there's a lot of people that were all gung-ho about Marco Rubio. Yeah, he turned out to be a dud. There are other people that were very excited about uh, Ipatch Dan, otherwise, a.k.a. Dan Crenshaw, Navy SEAL hero. Yeah, how did that work out for us? I'm not, not too enthusiastic anymore. I mean, or for that matter, Lieutenant Dan, yeah, our Lieutenant Governor. Right? Uh, he was supposed to be all that in a bag of chips. Not so much. Now, I, I called for and I asked for Daniel Miller to throw his hat in the ring. Um, I'm confident that he could do a much better job. I'm confident he can put up a good fight. But the strange thing is that Lieutenant Dan doesn't even bother to show up to the debates and the forums. So that means one of two things. One, Lieutenant Dan's so certain he's going to win that he doesn't bother to show up. Or two, he's scared spitless that he's going to stick his foot in his mouth and look terrible and lose. It could be some combination of them both, right? I'm the incumbent. I have the seat. I don't have to defend myself. And if I should go defend myself and make mistakes, then I make it easier to beat me. There is that. And I don't know what's going on there. I don't presume to know the mind of Lieutenant Dan. But what I can tell you is I'm concerned that maybe he's hiding for a reason. Now, I'm pretty sure it's not the Joe Biden reason. But I'm concerned that he's hiding nonetheless. So I would say that after having moderated the uh, lieutenant governor's debate or form, if you prefer, I'm going to have to endorse Daniel Miller. And I can recommend the others that are running. Um, both Tracy Bradford and Aaron Sorrells have some interesting things they bring to the table. And there was the other guy uh, that wasn't able to get there, Bob. I can't think of his last name, Bob. No disrespect intended. I think he would offer something too. But the reality is Mr. Miller has a half a million people that already support him. Mr. Miller is already known statewide. Mr. Miller has been doing the work for the state slash the Republic of Texas for 25 years. So if there was anybody that was going to come from the outside to take out one of the insiders, that's the guy. For that reason, I need to endorse him. I need to say that while Daniel Miller and I might not agree 100% on everything across the board, and while he is all in on Texas, and I, at this point, am just willing to say, I think the voters ought to be able to make a decision on whether or not they want to do it, and I'm totally open to it. Uh, setting that aside, I think he brings a lot to the table, and I really would love to have him as our lieutenant governor. 
I will hold off on any other endorsements at this time. I just want to give it a little bit more time to sort some things out. But I want you to know that it's not for fear of sticking my foot in my mouth because, well, I've done that. And it's not for fear of making a decision that ultimately loses because, well, I've done that too. And it's not for fear of picking somebody out that disappoints me because, well, I've done that too. But it's more I want for my listeners as well as the general public to, I don't know, put forth a little effort, learn about the candidate and find somebody that they're comfortable with, somebody that they think is the best person for the job. And with that, this is According to Callus. This was episode 170. This was a free-for-all Friday, and I will see you on the other side.